Thank you for listening to the Potter's House Tri-Cities Podcast, located here in Pasco, Washington, where lives are still being changed for Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoy it. So there's a story of a dog that loved its master. And his master was just this little teenage boy. But this dog was so full of joy that it wagged its tail all the time. And so when the boy went to bed, the dog jumped up into bed with him. When the boy got up in the middle of the night, amen, to go to the restroom, the dog would jump out of bed and walk to the door. And sit at the bathroom door until the boy got out, amen, then jump back in bed with him. When it was breakfast time, amen, the boy would get up, amen, to get ready for school. The, go- the dog would jump up, follow the boy to the table, then sit at the boy's feet until the boy finished eating and was on his way to school. He would walk outside with the boy until the boy went to the bus stop. Then the dog would sit down and wait for the bus, amen, with the boy. And so when the bus came, the boy would get on the bus. The bus would drive off. The dog would, amen, run behind as far as he could before he, the bus outpaced it. And so when the boy came home from school, the dog would be sitting right at the bus stop waiting for the boy to come home. The boy then would go in his house. The dog would walk with him, sit at his feet while he ate dinner. He would follow him around until it was time to turn in for the night. And so at this point, he would jump back, amen, up on the bed and go through the whole process the next day, and the next. Day in and day out, always uh, wagging its tail. And so how can a dog, amen, do that day in and day out for this little teenage master? Because when the boy found the dog, it was wandering in the streets. It was a mangy, unkept mutt. It was headed for sure disaster by the dog catcher. If that dog had never been caught, it would surely, amen, have never been adopted, amen, by this little boy. It eventually would have been caught and eradicated. However, this boy found that dog wandering. Mangy dog took it home, washed it, bathed it, rescued it, fed it. And best of all, the little boy loved it. It became part, amen, became apparent from the dog's little tail, amen, that the, the dog never forgot, amen, where it had come from. Whether, the, the, whether that boy was, wherever that boy was, the dog, amen, was going to be there, amen. It was evident that the dog never forgot where it had been when the boy had found him. And so I want to say this morning that some of us were wandering on the streets called sin. We were just mangy sinners. Some of us sinned and did not think about it. Some sinned 
and didn't care. Others were secret sinners. Amen. We didn't sin so folks could see us. But if that closet was ever revealed, amen, it would be clear, amen, that we were just as mangy as folks, amen, who do it in public. How many of us know that other people are white-collared, amen, sophisticated sinners who never did anything outright but just kept all their sin in their minds? No matter what kind of sinner you were, I want to say that God found you. The grace of God discovered you where you were. You heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and he saved you. And my only question this morning is, where would you be if he hadn't found you? Is your gratefulness evident in the way you respond, amen, to the master? Hallelujah. Let's read our scripture this morning. Isaiah 6, 1 through 7. It says, the year of the Lord, King Uzziah died. I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above stood the seraphim, each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke and said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For the eyes have seen the king, for my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having his hand on a burning coal that he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Let's pray this morning. God, we pray this morning that you would move, my King, by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord God. Let us know this morning that you are a holy God, Lord God, that you want to cleanse us, Lord God, of our sins, Lord God, that we must approach you, Lord God, in a certain way. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. I want to take a look firstly at love for God. The prophet Isaiah in the scripture tells us that the seraphim are six winged fiery angels who surround God. And so he sits, God sits upon his throne, exalted, amen. And so these angels are worshiping God continuously. And so the seraphim are also ministered to the Lord and serve as his agents of purification. As demonstrated by the cleansing of Isaiah sings before he began his prophetic ministry. In Isaiah 6, amen, is the only passage in the Bible that specifically mentions the word seraphim. And so this means the fiery ones. The word seraphim is a plural form of uh, seraph which means, amen, to burn. And so this implication, amen, Isaiah describes here is that these attendants, angels burn with love for God. And so the seraphim seem, amen, to bear a resemblance to humans as to having faces, as to having feet, amen, as to having hands and voices. And so our worship here on earth, 
should represent the worship in heaven. The Jewish temple and the Ark of the Covenant were replicas, amen, of what was going on in heaven. God gave the Jewish people these articles so they could establish, amen, a place of worship so his presence could meet with them. And so I don't believe this morning that it is a coincidence that these angelic beings in our scripture have the resemblance of humans. And so God is trying to show us, amen, God is trying to teach, teach us, amen, through this scripture how to worship him or how we should worship. I want to say that God, amen, he wants our undivided attention when we give him praise. Or you can say that he wants, amen, our undivided worship. If you look at our scripture, amen, you see God's angels, they are attentive to the needs, amen, of the Creator. They are ministers before Him. God has their undivided attention. They are waiting on God for God to say something. And when God says something, or when God moves, amen, they're attentive and they move, amen, on his behalf. And so how the angels worship show how much they love God. And I want to say this morning, is this the way you worship God? Showing him how much you love him. People say that they love God. But they worship their jobs, they worship cars, their cars, they worship sports, they worship entertainment, they worship their family, they worship their boyfriend, they worship their girlfriend, and also the things that they own. We see this, amen, we look, amen, and that's what people are worshiping. They worship recreation. I was driving on the, over the bridge this morning. And I look down, amen, and there's some people, they're worshiping, amen, exercised. They're running. They're not in the house of God. Some people cannot worship God because they're too preoccupied worshiping other things. Their worship is split between two opinions. Lifting our hands and singing in church is a form of worship. But people cannot worship God in church because they have other things in their, on their minds. They're preoccupied. How many of us know that other things can free up our minds? When we come to church, amen, we should be thinking about God. We should be seeking out God, amen, so he can meet with us. Prayer is another form of worship. I want to say this morning that you need discipline to pray. If you don't have discipline to pray, then distractions will take the worship that you're trying to give to God. And so when you are distracted, it is hard for God to speak to you. Think about this. Why is God going to take the time to speak to us if we're not even trying to give him any attention? Sometimes, amen, I try to talk to my wife, and she's mad at me, and she just gives me the hand. And I'm like, what's wrong? She's like, you're not giving me any attention. And I want to say that God is the same way. God is no different. 
Amen. Then, then somebody else that you and I love. I was deep in prayer the other day and God asked me a question. He asked me, are you serving me on your own strength or mine? And so when God asks you a question, it is usually because he wants you to do something or he's trying to get you to reflect on something that you're not doing or giving him. If we have, amen, a, we have a God not that only speaks, but I want to say that our God listens. He is a God of communion. And I want to say he wants to commune with his people. He, and not only us, amen, but the world out there. I want to take a look, secondly, worship that moves God. Isaiah 6, 3 through 4 says, And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory, and the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And so in biblical times, earthquake and smoke were signs of God's divine presence. Remember I said worship is a representation of what's going on in heaven. How many of us know that we can bring heaven to where we're at here? We can bring, amen, God's presence into our midst. And so when we give ourselves, amen, to worship and praise to God, we're inviting Him to where we're at. We're inviting Him into our realm. We're saying, God, we're seeking you this morning or this day, amen, for you to get involved in our midst. And so it is important, amen, to have communion with God corporately and as individuals. And so when I got saved, I came, amen, into a church service. I saw people praying, amen, seeking out God, bringing in His presence into our service. And so I said, God, I need that. And not only do I need that in the church, but I can take that home with me. And so I went home and started worshiping God individually for myself. I want to say this morning, you need to learn how to get a hold of God for yourself. To bring down His presence. You, you cannot, amen, ride on other people's coattails, all your Christianity. There's sometimes, amen, where, where um, I will ask advice from somebody. Or I will speak, amen, to my pastor about something. And, you know, he'll tell me something. And I'll be like, okay. But it's not revealed to me unless I get a hold of God for myself. And then God speaks to me. He tells me something. And everything's okay. Everything's fine, amen, for the current situation that I'm experiencing in my life. And so you need to get a hold of God for yourself. He can help you accomplish, amen, all that he has laid upon your heart for his glory also when you get a hold of him. And so when we do it corporately, we are doing it so when other people come into our service, they can be recipients of our worship. 
that they can know for themselves that they also can get a hold of God. That they can take that home with them, amen, and they could do it for themselves. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. Are you able, amen, to shake things with your worship? Last Sunday, we prayed for this young boy. God came down and did a miracle on our behalf. Amen. As a church, we need to contend, amen, for healings. Hallelujah. Are you able to set your pride aside and believe God for a miracle? I've prayed for people and, and God hasn't done anything. And then I, I've prayed for other people and God's done a wonderful miracle. And I'm like, wow. But when God, amen, doesn't do those miracles, am I willing to keep stepping out in faith, amen, and believe God for a miracle? Am I willing to lay myself aside? How many of us know that when we pray for somebody, we pray for healing and they don't get here, we're like, we look bad. Amen. But it's not about me. It's not about you. Amen. And we need to step out in faith. We need God, amen, to get involved. It says, and the foundations of the threshold shook. At the voice who called. Mark 5, 24 through 34 says this. And a great crowd followed him and thronged him about. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And who had suffered much under many physicians. And had spent all that she had. She was no better but rather grew worse. We can spend, amen, our money on physicians and grow worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garment, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood, amen, dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed from her disease and Jesus perceived in himself the power, amen, had gone out from him. Immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garment? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd is pressing you around, amen, and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembled and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace, be healed of your disease. This woman in our story heard, amen, she only heard the reports of Jesus. She heard the reports, amen, and she comes up behind Jesus. She comes down and she gets low and she touches him. She touches Jesus' garment. The woman came to Jesus in humility and in worship. And if she did not come this way to Jesus, she would not have gotten a miracle. Her worship was so intense that Jesus got involved in her situation. Are you desperate this morning 
for Jesus to get involved in your situation? Or do you just come to church? Amen. I want to say that you have to get desperate. Each and every day you have to get desperate before God. A touch of God, a feel of God, a feel of His presence, amen. A lot of people will never get anything extravagant from Jesus because they're afraid, amen, of what other people will think. That's why we pray in tongues. We openly, amen, pray in tongues. We're not afraid, amen, of what people think of us. In our scripture, amen, do you think that, amen, the, the angel are speaking in human language? No, they're speaking in tongues. Isaiah has this vision, and he's taken into this heavenly realm. Yes, he understands, amen, what they're saying. They're saying, holy, 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 holy. They're in God, he's in God's presence, amen. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 says this, If I speak in the tongue, this is a Paul speaking, in the tongues of men, and of angel, but have not loved. He says, I am making a noise like a gong or a clanging cymbal. He's talking about that he speaks, amen, in the tongues of men and in the tongues of angels. And in our scripture, amen, he's, he's able to understand what these, we, what these angelic beings are saying. He's being brought in, into God's presence. Amen. We don't speak to tongue to one another. Amen. That is unbiblical. Plus, people will think we're crazy. But when we speak to God, amen, it is in a, in a tongue. Amen. It is in a worship to Him. And the Bible says it is tongues of angels. You know, sometimes we, we, try, to, we try to reason this, amen, on our, on our own understanding. We try to reason this, but I'm, I'm, I'm saying this morning that, that God, amen, when you speak to God, when you, when you get in touch with God, He ministers, amen, to your life and into your hearts. There's sometimes where I'm going through stuff that I can't articulate in words, amen, my prayers to God. But when I pray to Him in tongues, amen, God knows, amen, that my soul, that my spirit, amen, is in anguish. And he gets involved in my situation. I want to say that first of all, we start every service in prayer. And so this is invoking God, amen, to get it involved in our service. Then we sing, amen. We lift up hands, amen, to the Holy One. We project, amen, our voices towards Him. We project our minds towards Him, our hearts toward Him, giving us, amen, giving Him our attention. Then we give, amen, our tithes and our offerings. Like I said before, this is to honor God with our first fruits. When we honor God, amen, with our 10% and with our offering, then He makes a way, amen, for us to be blessed by Him. We don't do it, okay, in, in the mindset, okay, I want to be blessed by Him. We're just doing it because it is our duty. It is our duty to, amen, to be before Him, to honor Him. With, with all that we, amen, have. And, and he only asks us for our 10% and offerings, amen. And then after that, we listen to the message so God can meet with us at the altar call. And I want to say this morning that God does meet with us.
God ministers to us. Amen. God comes down. Worship, amen, lastly, that moves God, that moves you. The revelation of the Holy One is disturbing. Isaiah says, woe is me. For the first time in the book, Isaiah speaks. And his word is a prophetic woe against himself. He confesses, amen, that he is a man of unclean lips. Unlike, amen, the seraphim choir who worship is pure towards God. They're in God's presence all of the time. They're in God's pure, amen, presence all of the time. But we're not. And so that's why we need to get a hold of God. He says, I dwell in the midst. Isaiah's generation is unfit for God. And Isaiah himself, amen, is no better. Amen. We're no better. No one here is. And he says, my eyes have seen the king. The holiness of the king is such that the very sight of him seems as though it would be fatal to a sinner. It says, then one of the seraphims flew to me having his hand on a burning coal that he had taken, amen, with the tongs of the altar. He touched my mouth and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. And so this has touched your lips. And so the remedy of grace is personally applied to Isaiah. God's holiness and glory, now redemptive, amen, entered Isaiah's experience. Atoned, amen, through the sacrifice on the altar according to the Leviticus ordinances. Leviticus 1, 4 through 5 says, Lay your hand on the animal's head and the Lord will accept its death on your place to purify you, making you right with him. Then slaughter the young bull in the Lord's presence, in the Lord's presence, amen, and Aaron's sons, the priests, amen, they're in God's presence, they're doing this, amen, in God's presence, the priest, amen, will present the animal's blood, amen, by splattering it against the sides of the altar, that stands at the entrance to the tabernacle. And so being in God's presence exposes who you really are. And so Isaiah sees this. Think about this. He's to be a prophet of God. Yes, it was, amen, to get him prepared for the ministry. But think about this. This man's a prophet. He's standing before God. He's standing before God's presence. And he still says, woe is me. He's in the holy of holies. And so the real significance of the sacrifice, and so this was the real significance of the sacrifice of the altar. Before Isaiah knew this in theory, he was doing the sacrifices, but now he's before, amen, the God of God's. The Holy of Holy, he knew this in theory, but now he knows this by being in God's presence. And I want to say that when you're in God's presence, 
all is revealed before you. That's why you need a relationship with God. You need to continually come into God's presence. Because when, when you're in God's presence, you realize how holy you are, He is and how filthy you are. Amen. And you must never forget this in your life. Amen. Even though you've been redeemed, even though you've been washed by the blood of Jesus, many people forget about this and they walk away from the kingdom of God. They walk away from God because they're not able to get a hold of His presence anymore. They've walked, amen, away from His Spirit. They've walked away from the, amen, the dealing, amen, of His Holy Spirit. And I want to say, Isaiah stands before God and he's naked before him. Revelations 3, uh, 17 through 19 says this, For you say, I am rich, amen, I have prospered. And I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, uh, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich and, and white, amen, garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. And salve to atone for your eyes, so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. And so Jesus Christ, amen, is writing this scripture to one of the churches. Think about this. What Jesus is saying to his church. This is a very stern warning, amen, to a people that... That think that they know God. And so being in God's presence drives you, amen, drives me to repentance. Many people, amen, do not repent because they never enter into God's holy presence. People are so much into their flesh and their own ways that the Holy Spirit cannot deal with them. Amen. If it weren't for God's Spirit, amen, and me giving myself to God on a daily basis, I'd be like, I'd be somewhere else today. And people do this, amen, all the time. They, co they come to church, amen, with unrepented hearts. They're not willing to repent. They're not willing, amen, to turn from their ways. They, they think it's normal. The way that they're living is normal, but it's not. And so once Isaiah realizes how unclean all of humanity, including himself, is before God, he says, here I am, send me. God's redeeming, cleansing power forces us to surrender our lives for God's use. So that is why it's so, it's so important we continue, amen, to come into God's presence. The angel touches Isaiah's lips with the cold, and he experiences God's redeeming power. And he says to himself, not only, God, can I experience this in my life, where I can continue to experience this in my own life. But God, I see your people, they're over there, they're blind Amen. They don't have you in their lives. They say that they're due, but their actions show otherwise. 
And he says to himself, God, use my life, amen, so I can bring your presence, amen, to these other people. So I can minister to the, these other people. He says, God, here I am, amen, show them, amen, what I have experienced. God, I'm praying for them, amen, let them serve you like I serve you. Can I have every head bowed this morning and every eye closed this day? You've just listened to the Potter's House Tri-Cities Podcast located here in Pasco, Washington. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you come back for more.